In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. By grace I'm saved. By grace. Not by, not by money. Not by having lots of money. It's not how I'm saved. And not by not having money either. Not saved that way either. By grace. Jesus is my hero. Okay? So in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, we know we aren't to be the rich man. We know that's not what's going to save us. He gorges himself every day on food and drink, never gives anything to poor hungry Lazarus, and he goes to hell. So we know he's not the guy to be. But at the same time, it's not necessarily that we're all to be Lazarus either, because that wouldn't really work if we all left church today and all went to the corners to beg. There wouldn't be anybody to give food to the beggar. So... That's not really the point either. It seems like a good point to make on this day in particular, this day we give thanks to God for men, Father's Day, that we ask this question, what man are we to be? What man are all men to be? What man are all fathers to be? And the answer isn't the rich man or Lazarus. It's Jesus. Jesus is the man to be. The one telling the story. It's a big hint for us that we call ourselves Christians, Christians. That's who we're to be and who we are. Christ is the man for us. Rich or poor, who cares? Jesus was rich and poor at the same time. Whether we're rich or poor, we're to know and believe in the man that we are to be. Rich and poor alike. Now, this is a big point. I'll give you a couple examples. One of our local Christian radio stations over the past few weeks had this little contest. Who would be named the Super Dad? Maybe some of you heard it if you listened to the station. And I'm not really... I appreciate their motives. Their motives are good. You know, they had you nominated Dad for his superior qualities, then they chose like 10 finalists, and then you voted on who was going to be named Super Dad. But the thing is, is like today, it starts to get uncomfortable when we're always calling, everybody gets called a hero. We're always calling people heroes. You know, dads are superheroes. Moms are superheroes. Teachers are heroes. Nurses and doctors are heroes. And I get it to a degree, but all the while we never hear really any mention that all of those people are sinners through and through. <laughs> full of unheroic iniquities. It seems like we start to lose focus of who the real hero is. If I die delivering this sermon today, which has happened, you know, pastors have died in the pulpit. So maybe I get lucky. No, I'm just kidding. But if, if that were to happen, please don't tell my wife and children that I will always be with them. I appreciate the sentiment, but that's not really that helpful, is it? What am I going to do if I'm with them? Not much. I'm not a hero. Please tell them the real hero is with them. Jesus is with them. And at the same time, don't do my soul the disservice of telling me that I've got to come back to earth again and be with all my family when I can't even do that anyway. Please tell my family that I'm with my hero, Jesus. 
That's the real and true comfort. He's the real hero, not any dad, not any man. Jesus is the hero of every story. He's the man for every man, woman and man, you understand I'm saying, not just males. He is the man for every man to be. That's why the scriptures say we're baptized into him. We're clothed in Christ. We're covered in his righteousness. We're called Christians. God makes us little Christ. And all the while that we're living on this earth and we're fighting against our sinful nature, He's the hero we're aiming for. He's the hero that we are striving for. Okay, so on the one hand, let, let's say it this way. If you are rich, Jesus shows you what a rich man is to be. He is the richest man in the world. Just think about if you never thought about it. He, he changed gallons of water into wine like nothing. That could be a pretty, pretty uh, good financial business you got going there, right? Um, and he fed thousands of people with minimal food. He could heal people with a word or a touch of his hand. He's the richest man alive. And what does he do with all of these riches? In the parable, the rich man throws parties for himself, pleasures himself, not Jesus. Jesus uses his riches to care for those in need. He shows us what a rich man is to be. And then on the flip side, he also became the poorest man in the world. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. He emptied himself, took all the sin of the world. And remember, at the cross, he's begging. He's become a beggar, begging for, I thirst, begging for a sip of water. But he shows us in his poverty what a poor man is to be also, a man who entrusts himself completely to God and prays for relief. He is the man to be. Now, let's take the negative side. This much is very clear to us who the enemy is, the man we're not to be, and that's the rich man. He goes to hell because he has no love in his heart. He, poor Lazarus, sitting right outside his house, he sees him every day, gives him nothing. And that's because in his heart he has no faith for God. But when he goes to hell, he gets the punishment he deserves. All of a sudden, he's, he's making complaints, excuses, as if it's someone else's fault. In verse 24, he sees Abraham and Lazarus, and he, he begs for mercy because, why? Because it's so hot down here. I, I'm in anguish in this flame and heat. In other words, Abraham, you've got to help me. It's really hot down here in hell. Well, guess what? It's really hot in hell. Really hot. God has told you over and over that it's really hot in hell. It's anguishing. It's tormenting. Because that's what we deserve. That's what we've earned with our sin. And if we continually refuse and refuse and refuse to accept God's help that He has given in our hero, Jesus Christ, then we will have to face that heat alone. You think it was hot this last week? It was hot, right? We ought to be warning one another about the temperatures in hell rather than trying to avoid the topic all the time or even outright 
teach, oh, God couldn't possibly send somebody to hell. Don't make excuses or complaints with the rich man. He's the enemy. Hell is hot, and we don't want anyone to go there. Secondly, here comes the next excuse when that one doesn't work. The rich man then says, verse 27, it's really not his fault because he didn't know. He didn't know. He wasn't given a proper warning about about this. And he begs that Lazarus would be sent back to his father's house, to his five brothers, and give them a proper warning. In other words, I didn't get a proper warning. Go give them a proper warning. Okay? Tell them about this. You see what he's doing. He's making the excuse that all of us sinners love to make. That it's not our fault, it's God's fault. He didn't give us enough warning. He didn't give us enough sign. If God would do his job better, then no one would go to hell. That's what we think. Enough excuses. We've been given plenty of warning. The word of God is very clear. It's absolutely sufficient. You don't need anything else. If you don't believe the word of God, then you're not going to believe it if you see the ghost of your dead relative or the ghost of Lazarus. It won't matter to you. Now, I've told many of you this before, that I have, I have no problem with the stories of people who have, you know, died for, and then had visions of, you know, what we call near-death experiences. I mean, I love to hear those stories as much as the next person. You know, when they come back and they, they write a book about it, it's interesting. But at the same time, we have to understand, if someone doesn't believe the Word of God, they're not going to believe those stories either. God has, in fact, sent us someone back from the dead to call us to repentance. Jesus, the hero. He rose on Easter morning, came back from the dead, gave us all the evidence we need. He is the hero. And if we don't believe him, we won't believe anything else either. So enough of our complaints, enough of our excuses. Believe in Jesus. Have eternal life. Believe in him. The angels of heaven will come and carry your soul to Abraham's bosom just as they did Lazarus. Now, what does any of this mean for you? And the whole reason Jesus tells us this story is because, I, I mentioned this earlier, because the Pharisees loved money, and they loved people who had money. And, uh, you know, some people think that the rich man in this story, which, which very well could be, some people think the rich man is supposed to be Herod, because the Pharisees were always trying to get in good with, well, many of them were always trying to get in good with Herod. Herod would be like the guy they wanted to be, the guy with all kinds of money who likes to throw parties and, you know, eat and drink all kinds of good and wonderful things every day. They envied Herod. That was the man they wanted to be, or other rich men like him. And so Jesus says to them, quote, I'm quoting Jesus, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. God isn't fooled by money. He's not fooled by rich or poor. To God, rich and poor doesn't matter. He knows the heart. And God already has his hero. If I could say this a different way, God doesn't need you to be the hero. He already has a hero for you. Okay? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave his perfect life for you on the cross, who was rich and yet became poor for our sakes. So we don't have to be a hero. Whether we're rich, whether we're poor, it's all the same to God. All of us need redemption in the blood of Jesus. To give you an easy example, Abraham was rich because God made him rich. And the reason Abraham is a great example in the Old Testament has nothing to do with his money. Rather, he believed God's promises. And we heard it in our reading today, Genesis 15. Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him 
as righteousness. So God looks at all of you today in the pews. Some of you richer than others. Some of you poorer than others. I mean, we, you know, you hear this, that we're all rich in America. And, and there's a point to that. But there's definitely some of us God gives more. Some of us God gives less. But when God looks at you, he peers right through any of that. He, looks, he doesn't look at that. He looks right into your heart. And he sees in there the blood of Jesus pumping. The hero's blood. The same blood that he saw in the heart of Lazarus, the poor beggar. The same blood he saw in the heart of rich Abraham. The blood that covers your sins and rescues you from the flames of hell. Rich or poor doesn't matter. The man that you are to be in this world is Jesus. If God does give you money in this world, then you know what to do with it. Do what Jesus did. Use it to take care of others. If you see someone like Lazarus who's hungry and needs something to eat, you feed him. You use your riches to show love. On the other hand, if you're poor in the things of the world, then you know what to do as well. Jesus is the man for you, the man to be. When he was poor and suffered, he trusted God and prayed to him. So you also, if you don't have much, then trust God. Pray for relief and God will take care of you. Whether you're the rich man or Lazarus, the hero is always the same. It's Jesus. And when anyone tells your story, you know, Jesus tells us the story of Lazarus and the rich man, when anybody tells your story, make sure that the hero is plain to see. That you're a Christian, a Christian, following the true hero, Jesus Christ, and he is the man to be. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.